0: What Keontae George did in Summer League was super important, but the expectations for what he can do once the regular season starts need to be tempered. It's all next on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. And this is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. We will look today at how important it was that Keontae George had the summer league that he had. But at the same time, oh boy, what he's trying to embark upon as a rookie guard in the NBA. Is the real sauce. Plus, a crazy, wild theory that Daryl Morey is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, like he likes to say, and the Kawhi Leonard ends up on the Sixers with Joel Embiid. No sources, no facts, just a crazy theory. Too much time in the sun, I guess. I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making locked on jazz your first listen every single day. We are free and available on YouTube, as well as on all podcasting apps, join the conversation amongst the group and, uh, please be a part of our community. Thanks so much to the everydayers who've been with us. And thanks to Leaf to lean who did a great job for two weeks. I enjoy it's been really fun for me to actually be able to listen to the show and he does great work. It was weird at first when I was in Scotland listening. Um he'll be back in September before the season starts. Um and he'll jump in every now and then during the season. He's just done such a great job. So I'm totally comfortable anytime we have him do a show. Uh today's show is brought to you in part by PrizePix. Uh first time users receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to hundred dollars with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. All right. So, some of this is me talking about stuff that you guys have already talked about. So, stick with me. Appreciate it. So, what Keontae George did in Summer League is really important. I'm I'm not a huge Summer League believer. I think you guys know that. Um, I think it's brilliant marketing. I think it's incredible that the NBA's got it to where it is. I think that Albert Hall and Warren Laguerre and all the people who built it probably should go to the Basketball Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, it's a staple... In fact, they sold out, what, five days or something, the um, hubbub around Victor. But from a basketball standpoint, I'm always a little underwhelmed. Um, and there were some things on Keontae's dominance that, like, hey, he'd already played three summer league games by the time he got to Vegas and he kicked everyone's butt who was trying to figure it out. Like, that didn't totally stun me. And so there were some, some things that, like, I was like, okay, like, yeah, like, I watched him play those three games in salt lake like it was pretty clear to me he was gonna go to vegas and crush people he, he was in a rhythm he had played together he was ready to go like that was pretty clear to me but let's go back to like the what the thoughts were on the draft and why a kid who was like a top five player coming into the draft dropped to 16 and why there were some questions including i'll be honest when i watched him there were total questions like i watched him against the arkansas and three of his first four shots are blocked and he can't get any separation. And he looks stuck to the floor and heavy. And I'm like, whoa. And then you've got an assist to turnover ratio that's not one-to-one. It's turnover to assist ratio. And so, and then you go to his last 15 games of his college career and his shootings numbers are like 35 and 28 or something. I mean, like they're ugly. So you look at all those things and, and he slips to 16. And the Jazz, of the, Danny and Justin and the crew are the ones that take the kind of run, like say, oh, no, no, we believe in this guy. You needed to see some reason why. Well, the first thing that was like the story to me was the body change. And then talking to Raphael Barlow, locked on NBA Big Board, who watched him in Dallas as a kid, was like, this is like as light as he was in high school and maybe lighter. And that the whole role at Baylor of either, you know, it could be anything, right? With a Remember, I have one who just was a freshman two years ago and I have another one who's about to be a freshman. Like it could be anything. Could be the role, it could be, not being at home could be suddenly the food availability, whatever he got, he got heavy. Like he got stuck to the ground and he got heavy and it could be because he was playing a lot of three. It's irrelevant. Why? It was a fact. It was visible. It was concerning. He's answered it. The shooting was concerning. He answered it. The assist to turnover ratio was concerning. He answered it. That's what was so great about Keontae George's summer league. And why you watch his summer league, you're really confident he's going to have a good, good NBA career, maybe even a great one. Like he was, that was he was bonafide, and and I thought he played with his teammates brilliantly, which he didn't totally do at Baylor. I think there's a funky thing that goes on at some of these colleges, particularly with COVID, where there were these five, sometimes six year guards, and on that team at Baylor, and then here comes this kid in Keontae George, who, you know bus, bus, everybody. And then, um, everyone, you know, dropping 30 with some regularity. And then all of a sudden he doesn't. And it's like, well, did they free, like, not did they freeze him, but they were, they like, a little reluctant to let him, to let him be, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and I think there might've been a little of that with, um, you know, if you look at Keontae George's game log at Baylor, um, there's a feeling, at least I look at it, and I'm like, wow. Like, do they just suddenly not let him get shots anymore? Like, did he not get shots anymore? What happened? He also sprains an ankle, which he does in Summer League, two, and ends up maybe that could have led him to being heavy. But if you look at Keontae George to start the year with Baylor, You know, he drops 32 against West Virginia. He has 27 against TCU. has 21 against Nicholas State. You know, maybe who cares? 22, 27 against Texas Tech. And he's getting, you know, 13 to 15 shots off a game in the first. And all of a sudden, he gets nine. And then he gets eight. And then he suddenly gets eight. And he gets four. And he gets one in a six-minute performance against Texas. And he doesn't go over. He only goes over 10 in two of his final eight, nine games of the year. He only goes over 11 in four of his last, like, 15 games of the year. I'm kind of estimating here. Like, it was a little bit suspect to me. Now, some of it he wasn't playing as well, right? We we mentioned that in the last 14 games of the season, he shoots 34% and 30% from three. So that's why this was so important that he played this well. And as a Jazz fan, you should be super excited. I mean, everything about that looked real explosiveness, the shot release, multiple shot releases, what I loved when I saw him in Salt Lake. I thought the effort was high. I didn't think his effort was that high at Baylor. I can find, you know, like I'm not trying to be rude, but I can find three or four plays where I watched him and I was like, Ugh. So I didn't love the tape on him at Baylor. And it's a great credit to the Jazz front office that they were able to kind of go back, probably look at his U19 and McDonald's All-American and know who he was coming out of Dallas tape see the transformation that took place, either due to any of the millions of things that could happen to a 19-year-old, 18-year-old freshman at college to understand that there's this other bounce. And he was great. And so now what's happened is from a fan standpoint, there's this expectation that he's going to like do what Donovan did. What Donovan did as a rookie just doesn't happen particularly often. um, If hardly ever. So I'm going to go look at 28 top 20 draft pick guards wish it was 30 would have been a fun number if i included grace now I could have gotten to 29 um but 28 top 20 draft picks that's cade cunningham that's anthony edwards that's Lamelo ball that's john ja morant that's tyler hero that's also Rom- romeo langford that's trey young that's colin sexton that's shea gilgis alexander 28 guards in the last five years have been drafted in the top 20 of the NBA draft. Let's take a look at how they've performed. Let's presume Keontae George is on the top half of that 28. Fine, I'm good with that. And see what we think. But I want you to do a favor for me right now if you're live on YouTube. I want you to put in the chat room What you think his field goal percentage will be. What you think his three-point shooting percentage will be. And what you think his points, rebounds, and assists will be. Put that in the chat right now if you're watching on YouTube and you can do so, not if you're driving. Field goal, three-point effective field goal percentage. Because some of these numbers I'm about to share with you are pretty darn surprising. When it gets down to it. So that is why Keontae George's summer was important and meaningful, is because of the fact that, frankly, it's a good reminder for us when he suddenly heads into this next step, which is super hard, not to be worried about it. And we'll talk about it as we continue here on Locked On Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. The Chevy trucks, oh, if you're looking for the electric truck, it's out there. If you're looking for the great SUV lineup, it's out there as well. Murdoch Chevy was $6,000 off right now. The 2023 Silverado 1500 LT, it's the summer tour, 23, of the Murdoch team. Uh, They also have got the great, great SUV lineup that I... Uh, mentioned to you, the first ever all-electric Silverado is coming out production fall of 2023. So get in line to get yours. That'll be so amazing. The SUV lineup has got the uh, Blazer and the Trailblazer, as well as uh, running through with all the great uh, the Equinox, and then the Tahoe and the Suburban, and of course the Corvette. Is a Chevy? If you're looking for your summer ride, it's all at Murdoch Chevy located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. If you're gonna stop by, feel free to email me first and let's see if we can make sure that we take care of you and give you that VIP locked on VIP treatment that you deserve. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks, such a fun way to get through the summer, such a fun way to enjoy yourself. Download the app or go to prizepicks.com. The promo code locked on is a special one for you because it gets you a great deal with prize picks right now. Here's what prize picks has got going on for you, as they always have a special deal for you. They have got a uh, prize picks right now. It's uh, got going for you. You pick two to six players. They go to score on more or less of their projection points. You can win 25% of your money. And the best part is with the promo code Locked On, you get 100% instant deposit match up to $100. If the deposit is $100. You get $100. Prize picks, if you are 50, Prize picks will give you 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Safe and fast and easy withdrawals. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. So download the Prize Picks app today. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz and making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. All right. Geeky numbers time. Special thanks again to Leaf too Lean. Um, all right. So being a rookie guard is hard. And I've heard, is he going to start? Is he going to win rookie of the year? Maybe. Maybe. He's really good. Like their expectations could be really high. Um, and I think expectations still should be really high. And could he come out of training camp as a starting guard for the Jazz? Yes. But then let's make sure we understand what happens to rookie guards in the NBA. Like, here's my point on this the greatest players struggle in their opening year in the nba the rookies recently seem to be more ready than you but then you look at like kevin durant shot 43 percent for the field and 29 percent from three as a rookie 43 and 29 as a rookie and he is maybe the greatest offensive player to ever play the game there may have never been anyone more physically ready than LeBron James to come into the league. He is 42% from the field, 29% as a rookie. Okay? Like, those are the two greatest offensive players ever. Like, it's super hard. And that's what, at 19. Luca, by the way, having played EuroLeague for like three or four years, 43%. Thirty-three percent, effective field goal percentage under fifty percent. League average effective field goal percentage is about fifty-two point seven, and might be up to fifty-three. He was under fifty. All of them were. Okay, so I went and looked at twenty-eight rookie guards over the last five years, all drafted twenty or better. Didn't include any of those guys. Did include the likes of Jay Ivy, Cade Cunningham, Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Jalen Suggs, John Morant. Darius Garland, Jarrett Culver, Trey Young, Colin Sexton, Kobe White, Killian Hayes, Josh Giddy, Davion Mitchell, all top 10 picks and some others. 28 of them. I thought the numbers were stunning. I knew what I was going to get, but I thought the numbers were still stunning when I saw it. 15 of the 28 guards shot under 41%. That's like bad. And Jaden Ivey shot 41.6. And Cade Cunningham shot 41.6. And Josh Giddy shot 41.9. And then there's like some guys who really struggled. Johnny Davis shot 38.6 and Trey Mann 39. And James Booknight 35. Killian Hayes 35. Like the best there have been in the last five years. Shea Gilders Alexander shot 47.6%. John Morant shot 47.8%. And Tyrese Halliburton shot 47.2%. Okay, they're all NBA players. All three of those are all NBA players. That's a pretty high stamp. Not Keontae George can be an all-NBA player if you think so. That is bullish. I love it, but it's bullish. Tyler Hero went to 42.8%. Colin Sexton went to 43%. LaMelo Ball won rookie of the year at 43.6%. You have a bad rookie year. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It just means that you're like Trey Young, 41.8%. Dante DiVincenzo, nice player, 40%. Akilah Alexander-Walker becoming a nice player, 36.8%. Some of the numbers can be a little scary. Darius Garland, though, 40%. Okay, three-point shooting. League average is 36%. Of the 28 rookie guards, 13 of the 28, so half, basically, shot 33% or worse from three-point range. Only four of the 28 guards shot over league average from three guards. Only four of the twenty-eight got over league average of thirty-six percent from three. That's those four. By the way, Tyrese Halliburton. The fact that two of these guys get traded in their after like historically great rookie years is crazy. Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero shot thirty-eight point nine percent. Colin Sexton shot 40% from three. Didn't take very many. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander shot 36.7. Cade Cunningham shot 31. Jalen Suggs shot 21. Josh Kiddie shot 26. Davion Mitchell shot 31. Anthony Edwards shot 32. Lamella Ball shot 35. Devin Vassell, who's a nice player, shot 34. A litany of guys, Darius Garland shot 35. Kobe White shot 35. Trey Young shot 32. It's hard. Only four of the 28 shot above league average. Now go back and look at the comments during the break of what everyone said on YouTube about what their average expectancy was. Okay. Only five guards had an effective field goal percentage over 50%. League average is 52.7%, I believe. And only one was above that, Tyrese Halbert. Malachi Branham last year was over 50% effective field goal percentage. LaMelo Ball, 50.4. John Morant, 50.9. Tyler Hero, 52. Shea Gilgis Alexander, 51. Colin Sexton didn't make it, despite shooting the others, because he just didn't take enough threes. And then Tyrese Halbert was ridiculous at 56.9. He's the one player that got above league average in his effective field goal percentage. So, I think Keontae George can have a terrific NBA career. I think it's turning out to be, it's like, unquestionably, like right now it's the best pick of the draft. Like, great. And then, I hope he plays a bunch this year. And then I hope we remember this little conversation because I don't think he'll be particularly efficient, successful, or help us win. Right? Like, so... Is Keontae George going to have this breakout explosion here? Really, like, Donovan kind of and Tyrese Halliburton. And, and, like, that's happened twice here recently. So I, I would be super surprised. I, I'll be mesmerizedly, awesomely excited, but I'd be super surprised. Donovan, by the way, was 44% from field and 34% from three in his rookie year, averaging 21 points a game with an effective field goal percentage of 50.6. So he crossed that threshold. He didn't cross some of the others. He wasn't like Donovan was, has never been, he's getting more efficient by the years. Effective field goal percentage has gone from 50% as a rookie to 57% last year in an unbelievable season. So you're eventually seeing five years in the league, he becomes efficient, but that's what it takes. So here's the point of this. I'm super excited about Keontae's Summer League, and I think it really, really matters, particularly when you looked at what the criticisms and the questions and the, and the, and the wonder of whether he'd be able to be good in the draft. And then when we're taking the next leap on it, maybe cool the Jets a tiny bit. Not because there's anything wrong with him because the league's that hard. And then on the other end, if he does play a lot, let's give him the leeway to understand two things. It's probably not going to help us win games. And two, he's probably not going to be very efficient at it because it's super, super hard. Because instead of going against Frankie Ferrari, you're facing John ja Moran. at least if you're playing the 30th game of the year. Okay? That's my point. Just having listened, having observed, I love the excitement, and I'm with you. And I find myself doing it too, like, oh, maybe you should start. Maybe okay, he can start. And maybe he earns that. We don't really have a traditional starting point guard we'll talk about it during the week. But that's that's a, that's a back to my 26, right? When we talked about 26 wins, 36 wins, or 46 wins, I've been on this thing that I thought we'd win 26 games this year a little bit because I thought whoever we drafted as our point guard would start playing by the 30th game of the year a lot, and rookies don't help you win. It's too hard. Nothing wrong with rookies. They just don't help you win because it's too hard. All right. The next six, seven minutes of this show is complete fiction, fantasy, and fabrication of my bizarre mind from sitting on the beach in too long and coming up with insane, ridiculous stuff. Just want to make sure that's clear. And it's next on Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in today. A huge thanks to Leaf Tulin for the work he put in. Uh, really, you know, rising star, great kid. Um, really bright uh, and appreciate him filling in. And I don't actually worry about the show at all. So that's nice. Here's the structure of what I'm going to try to do with the show here for the next little period of time. Segment one every day is going to be kind of a topic. I think we all have on the jazz. Um, segment two is going to be probably something that kind of have national people are talking about us. If there is something and segment three is going to be a national conversation. And then we'll do that for a while. And then at some point, I'll start my interview series. Um, And hopefully talk to Sarah and Tony. Um, I might try to talk to Dan Clayton. Does such great work um, for Salt City Hoops. Uh, Wide it out a little bit. Maybe give some kids, people, adults, platforms who are working hard that aren't getting them otherwise. Um, All right. This is fiction, fabrication, fantasy. Like, I should sound like those big, important broadcasters. Don't aggregate this. I'm watching what's going on with James Harden. And last week, Kawhi Leonard became extension eligible. Paul George becomes extension eligible here in a few weeks. And it was pretty quiet. Murray reported that there were productive talks going on. It was super quiet. So because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are the two-year anniversary of signing their contracts with the Clippers, they're eligible for extensions. They each have, I don't want to bore you with too many numbers here, but just go with it quickly. They they each have, they're 46 this year and 49 next year. That's what they have left. They have the ability to extend out to five years for about 280 million by the time they're done. They would get a—they would hold it 46 this year. They would get a $3 million raise to 52 in year two. And then it would go 57, 61, 65. Right around there. Um, it's a lot of money. They Paul George would be 38 at the end of this deal and Kawhi Leonard would be 36 at the end of this deal. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Paul George and Kawhi Leonard haven't played a lot of games recently. And there's a real feeling that the Clippers are somewhat reticent to roll out this mass extension. I don't think Kawhi Leonard and Paul George would be so happy about that. Like, this is one of those things where I think you sit around and you talk about this as though it's a, like, reasonable. We all talk like, oh, it's reasonable the Clippers would say to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, hey, I don't think we're going to max out. You haven't played a lot of games. You haven't been available in the most important times. And my feeling on that is that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to be like, huh? No, no. I'm one of the 10 best players in the NBA. I want to be paid like one of the 10 best players. And I just haven't, it's been unfortunate that I haven't been healthy, but no, no, you still got to pay me. That, that's thats my guess. Could be wrong. This isn't fantasy fabrication. This is 20, 30 years of being in the NBA at this point. Okay, so that's part one. So I thought it was super interesting last, year, last week that Kawhi Leonard became extension eligible in crickets. Part two is Daryl Morey has James Harden who wants out and supposedly wants to go to the Clippers. There's really no trade to be made. And Daryl Morey's just kind of, sitting in the catbird seat, seemingly with no leverage at all, seemingly unfazed. Okay? Like, seems strange to me. That's still 30 years in the NBA. So now we're into pure fantasy fabrication and probably falsehoods. What happens if Daryl Morey's whole idea is that Kawhi Leonard or Paul George get upset. If you're Kawhi Leonard and you live on a $30 million mansion on the ocean, you'd be pretty reluctant to leave LA. However, where do you have a better chance to win a championship? With Paul George in LA or with Joel Embiid in Philadelphia? And who's to say, fantasy fabrication and probably falsehoods, that Kawhi Leonard doesn't get upset that he's not being offered the max extension and suddenly say, I want out. He's done it before. And who's to say if Kawhi Leonard says in, Paul George doesn't look around and say, wait a second, do I have a better chance of winning a championship with Kawhi or Joel Embiid? And for all we know, Daryl Morey's boxing them in to make them max both these guys out. And for all we know, I'm making all this up and it has absolutely no truth to it at all. But if I'm Kawhi Leonard and I don't get maxed out by the Clippers and I probably can get maxed out by the Sixers and I have a better chance of winning a championship with Joel Embiid, why aren't I asking out? Why don't I say, hey, I want out and I want to go to Philadelphia and you can have James Harden. And I don't know... What back conversations can be done to Kawhi Leonard's uncle in the process? But there seem to be a lot of backroom conversations in the NBA that happen where Kawhi Leonard could probably know he'll get his 52, 57, 61, and 65 for 280 million. And the 76ers decide that at 36 years old, that's worth it to have Kawhi Leonard and to not lose to LMB. Because let me tell you something that I certainly know from 30 years in the NBA. And that is that Philadelphia will max out Kawhi Leonard right now because otherwise they're on the edge of losing Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's comments the other day were something that should concern the 76ers a great deal. And this would be quite the answer. Now, obviously Kawhi Leonard has to, the first thing that has to happen is Kawhi Leonard has to not get the max and he has to be upset about it. And then the second thing that would have to happen is that Paul George doesn't get the max and he's upset about it. And I think either or both of those could very easily happen to the Clippers here this offseason. Because I don't think that either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George is going to play around with what we seemingly think is a logical, normal conversation that says, if you've only played X amount of games, we're not maxing you out. And they're not going to... Well, I've had fluke injuries. I would have played every day if I could have. You're the one holding me out on load management. And I'm not taking a pay cut because of that. I, I, I just got unlucky and got injured. That's my guess. So keep an eye on it. I made it up. It's fabrication, fantasy, fiction, maybe falsehoods. But I'm watching the landscape of the NBA, and I wouldn't be stunned at all if that's the next step in the James Harden Clipper saga. We'll see. Be funny or be interesting. Maybe you never leave a $30 million mansion on the ocean if you're Kawhi Leonard. That is Locked on Jazz. Tomorrow, we will look at Zach Lowe's comments. The Jazz are on the verge of taking a step backwards, as well as where some of the Vegas type have the Jazz. And our segment 3 we'll be looking at Chris Paul to the Warriors and whether that salary dump can actually work on the basketball court. Later in the week, we'll look at Jordan Clarkson and whether or not he can play point guard, deeper dive on Talon Horton Tucker, and what to expect from John Collins. It's Locked On Jazz. I'm David Locke. Thanks for being back with me. Thanks for the everydayers who rejoined. Thanks to all the YouTube chatters. Thanks to all the podcast listeners. Super fun to be back in the chair today. Have a great one. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.